Good morning, 4th Avenue. Man, I'm excited to be here with family this morning, and, and I really do mean family. If you hang around this place, maybe you've been here your whole life, maybe this is your first or second time here, but I can assure you, if you hang out here for a little while, you will see that this is family. And maybe you say, well, I, I, maybe I, I know some of you super well, maybe some of you say, well, I don't really know you. There's people in my blood family I don't really know. <laughs> and some of those I'm thankful for maybe a little bit. But, uh, but we're family here, and I'm, I'm excited to be able to share with family this morning. I, now, I know surely nobody in here has ever struggled with anything, right? Uh, this, is, this is something y'all, you don't have to listen to this because you haven't struggled or had a hard time or um, done anything like that. Um, so, so we're going to talk about struggles this morning. But before we do that, I, I want to just start with a prayer. So if you would bow with me, please. God, we just thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for meeting us here, for your presence here, and for what you're doing among us here, not just physically here in this building, God, but in our lives, God. And so we ask you to meet us here. We ask for your presence, God. I just ask that it would be felt this morning in major ways. I ask that your presence would go with us when we leave here not only today, but tomorrow and the next day, God, that we would feel you working in our lives, that we would feel you helping us through the struggle. And so I just ask for you to come and for your presence to be with us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. I, I was reminded recently, and uh, I just want to remind you, um, I was reminded, I was, I, was, I was thinking about struggling and things that I've struggled through and thinking about different things that, that some of you may be struggling with. And I was reminded that God's love for us is not dependent on anything we've done. God's love for you is not based on something you did or didn't do. Maybe an obstacle you overcame or maybe a failing that you experienced. That's not what God's love is based on. God's love is for you simply because you are who you are and you are who he created you to be. And if there's someone here who who needs to hear that this morning, maybe you're down on yourself a little bit. God loves you just because you are you. I think about struggle, and man, you know, we, we live in a, a society where we, you know, I think sometimes, I think it used to be, hey, are y'all busy? Yeah, we're busy. Oh, we're so busy. It was almost a busyness competition. I, I, I felt that. Maybe none of y'all did, but I felt, and now I feel like sometimes it's a struggle competition. Oh, we're just struggling. Yeah, we're just, man, we're hanging in there. We're surviving. We've got to get through another day, and we are. Struggle is real. We have real struggles, but, um, Starbucks messing up your order and bringing the groceries in in the rain is not like, that. you know, it, we're going we're gonna to be able to do it. We can do that, right? But, but we have struggles. And we, there are those days, there are those gloomy days where you just think, oh man, this is tough. There, there's other struggles. There's health struggles. There's financial struggles. Oh, we're getting off on a bad foot. We're talking about bad stuff this morning. We're going to get depressed here. Get ready. Um, no, not at all. Um, there, there's loss, right? There, there are so many struggles that we deal with in this life. And I love what Paul says about it. Or not Paul. I knew I was going to do that. I went ahead and just got it out of the way. Just start off. I love what Peter says. So we're going to look at this guy who is an author. Okay, he's also a great speaker, which we're going to find out here in a little while. And not only was he an author and a great speaker, but he was a disciple of Jesus. And so we're going to see what he says about struggle this morning. So we, we read a little bit of this earlier, and by the way, I was singing that, that last song we just sang, um, man, we've already heard this lesson with the songs we sang this morning. There's Mark over there. 
great select. We, I mean, we could just sing those songs again, and I could just not get up here this morning. But, but let's listen to what Peter says about struggle here. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. He says, though for a little while you've had to struggle. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I was, um, there's so many things I want to say this morning, try to get them all out. I was at a football game several weeks ago, and I have to stop for just a second because I was at a football game last night, and I saw an outpouring of the love of Fourth Avenue Church of Christ last night. It was incredible. Uh, my, my man, Cooper Cook, his team fell a little short, just barely came up short in a state championship game, but there were students from our youth group there. There were former students from our youth group there. There were adults. There were youth ministry staff this church showed up in Chattanooga last night and poured out its love. Yeah, clap. Man. I, uh, I'll tell you, if, if this church will support you when you struggle. I can promise you that. And we're gonna, I'll try to get into that a little bit later on. But, um, but so I was at a football game several weeks ago, and it was the, the cheerleaders were getting up to do a cheer. And I, just, I, I happened to notice something that stuck with me. Cheerleaders get up to do a cheer, and I guess they're lifting up, I think they call it the flyer, they're lifting up the, the, the one that's up, and, and as they go to lift her up, they hoist her up in the air, and she falls back, and she's falling, and she does her arms out, and the, the girls below her did not skip a beat, and they caught her, didn't let her get anywhere close to the ground, and so it caught, I guess when she fell, it must have caught my eye, and so I'm watching her fall, and what they did when she fell is what really stuck with me. Because they caught her and immediately, without skipping a beast, hoisted her back up in the air and held her up just like what you see on the screen, and they finished the cheer. I thought, wow, I just saw a struggle. I just saw a moment of struggle that turned into a moment of triumph. If it would have been easy, I would have probably said, hey, just put me down. <laughs> I don't need to be up there. We can cheer from the ground. This hard ground works pretty good. They could have tucked and run. They could have done so many things, but they just pressed through it. And I thought, what a picture of how we are supposed to struggle. That's what Peter's talking about here. He says these trials, the, these things that we're going to suffer through for a little bit are achieving for us an eternal glory. They're, they're giving us something incredible. It's, we're receiving our salvation when we struggle. And so, so that stuck me. And I thought, I thought about those cheerleaders and what they did. And I thought, you know, they probably, before the, the game that night, probably practiced their cheers. They were probably ready for what they were doing. That wasn't the first time that they hoisted someone up above them, but they were ready for that. And I thought, well, how do we do that spiritually? What does it look like for us to get ready for the struggle? And so we're going to get to that here in a little bit. What, what does it look like? And, and I think Peter, we're going to look at the life of Peter for just a minute, because not only does he talk about it here, I love it when somebody talks about it and when they've actually done something to back it up. So Peter's telling us how to struggle. He's telling us what it does when we struggle. But look at Peter's life for just a minute. And if you want to follow along, it won't be up on the screen, but we're going to look at Acts chapter 4 for just a minute. But think about Peter's life. 
Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He was with Jesus. And we, we were studying a couple of Wednesday nights ago with some of the, the students in the youth group. We were studying when Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He pulls his disciples aside. He says, hey, the, the teachers, the, 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 the leaders, the Jewish leaders, they're going to they're gonna persecute me. They're going to kill me. I'll be raised on the third day. And Peter pulls Jesus aside. He says, this isn't going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. And Jesus grabs Peter and he says, you have in mind the thoughts of man. I have in mind the thoughts of God. And so we see Peter in this moment saying, this can't happen. We see later on when they come to arrest Jesus, what does Peter do? He pulls out a sword. He's ready to fight. Jesus again says, hey, this isn't how we're going to do it. Skip over just a few hours and then Peter is doing what he promised he would never do. He denies Jesus. You were with him. You talk like him. Peter's warming up by the fire. I don't know that guy. No, I wasn't with him. I swear I wasn't with him. But then later, oh, it amazes me, the day of Pentecost comes. And if the church ever needed somebody to step up, Peter steps up in that moment. Peter speaks through the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and thousands of people come to Christ. And we're going to come, we're going to pick up just after that story. We're still kind of in that, in that season after Pentecost. And all these new believers are coming to Jesus, giving their life to him. And Peter and John would you believe it, have healed a crippled man? The nerve to heal a crippled man. And so the Jews are very upset by this. And so let's listen to what happens. The priests and the captain of the temple, I'm in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, if you want to follow along, but, but I'm just going to read a few verses to you here, and we'll get back to First Peter. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people which I'm just now realizing, they were, that would be if somebody came and just interrupted me right now. They're in the middle of speaking to the people. And they, they pull them aside. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Now think about this for a minute. Peter and John are speaking and the very same men that killed Jesus, I mean, these, they killed a, a guy that they knew. They killed, these men killed their leader, and now they pull them aside. And so they have these meetings. They say, what are we going to do? Well, we just need to tell Peter and John they've got to stop talking about this Jesus guy. So they call him in in verse 18. They, they called them in again, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Hey, just stop talking about Jesus. And listen to what Peter says. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. These are two of the guys that they know killed Jesus. And they're saying, we're not going to stop. You can judge whether it's right or wrong, but we're going to keep doing it. That's a struggle right there. Starbucks may mess my coffee up. I'm going to be okay. These guys, that's a real struggle. Peter's going through real struggle, and he's saying, hey, it's okay. He, he knows what, what he talks about in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, it's achieving a salvation for me in Jesus Christ. We're in a season of Advent where we're talking about Jesus coming, we're celebrating, we're hoping in his return, and Peter was solid in that. How can we be solid in that? What does it look like for us to be solid in our faith in Jesus? How do we get ready for when that struggle comes? I remember when uh, talking about struggle, I remember when I was 15 years old. I was 15 years old when my grandmother passed away. And this was my mom's mom. And so um, 
My, her, her dad's name was Jean Nix. Her mom's Jeanette, Jean and Jeanette Nix. They were my mom's parents. They were uh, simple country people. They, um, he owned a feed store for a long time, way before I was around. He helped play in a church. He was an elder in the church for years and years and years. And I remember going to him after my grandmother passed away. And, uh, and I showed him this verse. I said, Paul, Paul, look at 1 Peter 1. <laughs> I laugh now, a 15-year-old going to an 80-something-year-old man who had served the church all his life. I mean, he has served the church all his life. And I'm saying, look at this. And, and he, was, he was soft-spoken and gentle. And I meant to bring a hat. He always wore sort of a straw hat. I couldn't figure out what this hat is called. But he had a, a velvet hat he would wear to church on Sunday morning. But he had a straw hat he wore otherwise and coveralls. And he'd work in his garden and he'd work on stuff. And he taught me how to mow yards. He taught me how to fish. He taught me countless other things. But I went to him and I said, look at First Peter. Hey, our, our suffering... It's just for a little while. And he, he, he kind of smirked at me. He said, I know, Will. I know. I remember that. I remember that. Our struggle is real, isn't it? This isn't one of those, oh, it's, it's, oh no, we rejoice in Jesus because everything's good. No. Struggle's real. Loss is real. Hardship is real. Illness is real. We're in a fallen world. How do we prepare to struggle? It's okay. It's okay to go through those seasons of hardship. It's okay to be down. It's okay to be angry. Guess what? It's even okay to be angry at God sometimes. It's okay to let your family know, hey, I need you to support me right now. Here's what's going on. Um, in fact, I have to say, I have to say thank you to our church body here. I, I've had, uh, there, there have been some of you that have gone through struggles lately, and I have a struggle that I went through, and many of you showed up and offered and were willing to help. And then you may, you may or may not even know it, but this whole church helped. And just to, to really quickly sum the story up for you. <laughs> Real quickly sum it up. One of my employees uh, named Isaac Bautista, I've got a small landscaping company. One of my, my employees, Isaac Bautista, 31-year-old, he came here from Mexico five years ago to work, and he somehow ended up working for me and he worked hard every day. With it. He would show up in the morning with a smile on his face. And I would say, Isaac, how are you this morning? And he'd say, I'm good, and I thank God for this day. He would say it in Spanish. I'm not going to try to say it in Spanish this morning. But that's what he would say every day. And he was, he was tragically killed in a car accident at the beginning of October. And so many of you came to me and, and texted me and said, we're praying, and what can we do? And hey, let us know how we can help out. And so... We were able, uh, with the help of a lot of people, to get Isaac's body sent back to his family in Mexico, and they were able to, to, to have a funeral for him there and to have the closure that they needed there, but there were some costs associated with that, and several of you came to me before I even asked and said, hey, let us know, we'll help out with that, and then somebody eventually said, you know what, why don't we let the whole church help out? We have a benevolent fund, and we can let every single member of Fourth Avenue help out with this through our benevolent fund, and so thank you to all of you for helping me through my struggle. It was real. It's, this isn't one of the, oh, we're supposed to feel good, we're supposed to rejoice all the time. Struggle is real. I believe this. I read from my notes when I want to make sure I get it right. I believe this. I believe the struggle we experience on this earth is part of the process we have to go through to get to where we are going in Christ. I believe, I'm going to say that one more time. I believe the struggle we experience on this earth is part of the process we have to go through to get where we are going in Christ. And I don't like it. I wish it was easy street every day, right? Wouldn't it be nice if we were just always on easy street? 
Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to lift a finger? Didn't have to do a thing? You think, oh, that sounds good. That'd be awful. And what if your team won 56 to nothing every time? Some of us are like, yeah, actually, that'd be, that'd, be, that'd be good. That would get boring eventually. It sounds good. But if they won 56 to nothing every single time, eventually you'd go, there's no need to watch. I know what's going to happen. I've already seen it. So um, last week, Dean, Dean talked about how we are wired for expectation. Last week, Dean talked about that. I want to tell you something else this morning, kind of build off of that. I also want you to know we are drawn to conflict. We are drawn to conflict. And I'll tell you what that means in just a minute. But first, I, I just have to say, I don't, I don't see Dean. I just, I, Dean is a very, very good friend of mine, a close friend. I've appreciated his friendship, and I've appreciated his leadership for this church during a struggle. We're talking about struggling. Man, through a pandemic, through so many other things, Dean's friendship and leadership has meant so much to this church. And so I can't wait to celebrate lunch next Sunday with him, and, uh, and we'll all get together and do that. But, but so we're drawn to conflict. What are you talking about, Will? Let's go, right? We, no, I'm not talking about fighting. I'm not talking about fighting. But if you look up, if you look up the, the, the parts, the elements to a story, some of you, maybe you're storytellers, you're writers, maybe you, you're movie people, whatever it is. If you look up the elements to a story, here they are. A setting, characters, a plot, and you know what's next? Conflict. There's got to be some kind of conflict. If Batman just drove the Batmobile down to Sonic and got a cheeseburger and a milkshake and went back to the Batcave, no, we, we, wouldn't, we, we wouldn't go to the movie, right? I think the last movie I went to was Boss Baby. I think the second Boss Baby movie. You all think that's pretty good. It's a good but there's conflict, right? There's, there's, a, there's something going on. It's worth tuning in. You know, your favorite show, I guarantee you there's some kind of character struggling with something, and that's why you want to watch, because you want to see how they're going to overcome it. You want to see what they're going to do. You want to see how they're going to handle it. We are drawn to conflict. We are wired for expectation. We are drawn for, to conflict. God created us to work and struggle. You remember what he said? To, he made Adam, and he put him in the garden, and he said, you are here to work and tend to the garden. It's not supposed to be easy street. It's not supposed to be lay back and do nothing. We are made to struggle. Uh, so so here's, what I, here, here's the question. If we're made to struggle, we look at Peter and his struggles, and Peter talks about struggling. How do we do it? If we're made to struggle, how do we do it? Here's the next thing I want you to know. We have to work on our posture for struggling now. Okay? We've got to work. We can't wait till we're in the struggle, right? We can't wait till all of a sudden something bad happens. What are we going to do? How are we going to do We have to work on our posture for struggling now. And you say, well, how do we know what we're going to struggle with? We don't. I don't know what I'm going to struggle with. I don't know what you're going to struggle with. We could get, I don't know when. It's hard to prepare for something when you don't know what it is or when it's coming, right? <laughs> Sounds pretty tough. Sounds like we're in a hard spot. But I want to tell you this. You are preparing, you are getting, practicing your posture for struggling right now. What you are doing right now, you are here, you are in this place, you are lifting up your voice to God. We are looking at his word. We are practicing our posture for struggle right now. Maybe you worked on it last night before you went to bed or first thing this morning when you got up. Maybe it was a little bit of quiet time. 
Maybe it looked like some prayer time and a cup of coffee. I don't know what it looks like for you, but sometimes you, you were working on it and don't even know it. You don't even realize it. Uh, maybe it's, it's music you listen to. Uh, my, my song is King of My Heart. We sang it earlier this morning. I claim that one. That's my song. You might think that's your song, but that's my song. Um, maybe it's a podcast or, or, or something, a, a, you know, a certain author, books you read. So every once in a while, my wife will send me a podcast and say, you need to listen to this, and I'll listen to it and go, man, that, I did need to listen to that. That's the spirit working right there. Maybe, and this is a huge one for me, and I think, can't, can't thank God, and I can't, stop, so I can't start naming names because I would leave someone out, and I would also have to go on and on and on and on because God has put so many people in my life that help me get ready for my posture when struggles come. God continues to do that. I ran into a, a gentleman yesterday, and luckily I had my son with me. I had my whole family with me. But I ran into a man who was my middle school football coach. He was also a man I went to church with who also baptized me on my 13th birthday. And I, I tapped my son. I said, hey, that, that's Coach Temple right there. That's Kevin. That's my middle school football coach. And he came over and we talked. And he had his grandson with him. Kevin has, he said, hey, you see this guy pointing at me? He said, I baptized that guy when he was your size. And we had this really cool moment. And I was reminded, God put him in my life to prepare me for struggle. God put him in my life for that. Find those people. Maybe they're here in this room. Maybe they're somewhere else. I've got a group of men that I meet with on Tuesday mornings. And we do a number of things. But we encourage each other. We have a level of accountability with each other. And we are honest with each other. And that prepares me for struggle. When that struggle comes, I'm ready. Um, I'm excited to, to be with them Tuesday because of something that's happened that we're going to share, share with each other. So we, you are, you're working on it now. You're thinking, well, how do I get ready to struggle? You're working on it now. And you've been working on it. And you'll continue to work on it. I would challenge you sometime today or this week to read 1 Peter chapter 1. And don't read it fast. I, I, there was a time, and I've maybe confessed this before, where I would speed read my Bible so I could check off my Bible reading. That's, that's awful to admit. I'm not telling you to speed read 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm telling you, read through it like you would chew on an expensive steak. Soak that flavor in. Taste it. Let it, let it simmer. Maybe you don't even get to the end of the chapter. You go, I didn't even get through verse 6. That's okay. God's talking to you right there. But th this afternoon, this week, look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and help let God get you in a position to struggle. Let him work on your po posture. Um, God made us to work. He didn't make, make us to be on easy street. This is something that... that sort of blows my mind. I, you know, if, if maybe any perfectionists in here, anybody like to make sure you get things, yeah, I see some smile. You don't want to raise your hand, right? Because that might not be the right thing to do. Um, but, uh, you know, when you want something done right, do you just walk away and not worry about it? When you want something done right, you make sure it gets done right, don't you? Isn't that how you do it? I, I um, you know, I have a small business, and there's tons of business philosophies, and I'm not even smart enough to know most of them. But one, one business philosophy that's always intrigued me, always fascinated me, is this philosophy of setting up a business to run without you. 
setting it up to where you can just walk away. You just, and, and, and they say, that's what a good leader does, right? Just set it up. And what's funny is when you look at Jesus, that's kind of what he did. Not with business, with something way, way more important and crucial than business. He did the whole death, burial, and resurrection thing, right? He did that. And now comes the important part, right? Is to establish this church. And what did Jesus do? He left. Think about that. One of the, I mean, he came here, right, to be a sacrifice for our sins. But the other reason he came was to start the church. And when it was time to do that, he left. He just left. Because we were made to struggle and work and do things. And he knew, he knew Peter and John would do it. He knew that the people after them would do it. And the generations after them and the generations after them until he got to us. And we know, man, I can tell you, working with our young people, church, we're in good hands. They're going to do it. They're going to do the work. And the generations after them, they're going to do the work. Jesus left. And sometimes we go, oh, the church, I I hear this. The church is getting smaller. People are leaving the church. church. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because we were made to work. We were made to struggle. Uh, Mark, I'm going to tell you, bring, go ahead and bring your team up here. I've got one other thing I want us to think about. I want to leave you with this morning as we talk about struggling. Uh, Peter, as Peter reminds us here, we may suffer grief in all kinds of trials, but this is so that our faith can be proved genuine when Jesus Christ is revealed. And listen to what he says here in verse 9. He says, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Did you catch that? The the Greek language can be very specific. And I'm far, far, far from a scholar. I know just about this, this much Greek right here. But the tense he uses there, he says, you are receiving. He doesn't say you received salvation when you gave your life to Jesus. He doesn't say, hey, you will receive salvation when you go to be with Jesus or when he comes back to get you. He says, you are receiving the salvation of your souls. It's a present tense. It's just like you are in church right now. You're, you're receiving your salvation just as much as you are right here. He says, you're getting it now. It's a, every time we struggle, every day we push to try to give our life to Jesus, we are receiving that salvation. And so I want you to go away with that this morning, knowing that you're getting it right now. That salvation is here. It is now. Jesus is coming, but salvation is here and now. And so we'll stand and sing together.